Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, hey, welcome back, Sal and Matt together again. You had me for one last week, you had him for one last week, and now you got us both together. We're back, we're back from London. How did you handle the plane ride back and the recovering and the jet lag and the time change coming back to the u.s okay so i have always been jealous of you on the charter i have never been more jealous than i was on sunday when you guys were already back in the air because would you get back to buffalo around midnight on sunday is that what it was we we landed midnight sunday night into monday morning yes okay now i don't know because i have not been on the plane do you have live TV on the plane or is it just like movies and everything? It depends on the plane, but this year, the last couple of years, we have not. We'd used to, depending on which charter company they used. Um, uh-huh. But in this particular flight, we did not have live, just entertainment. But we do have internet and I can keep up with like the Sunday night game on the internet, but yeah. I can't watch it live. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, man... I would imagine you tried to sleep as much as possible, but even if you didn't, if you had live TV, you could just basically sit there and watch TV and watch some of the one o'clock games, the four o'clock games, the eight o'clock game. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm not acclimated yet. I was very fortunate that I was able to take an extra day as a vacation coming back. So the Monday following the game, I did not work. I stayed in London and I had my family there and we did some tourist stuff and we went to a nice dinner and that was kind of my day to explore the city. So we came back on Tuesday, which means Tuesday and Wednesday, like I, this is all a blur. I have no idea. My body clock has no idea what time it is. I see what time it is, but I don't feel like that's the time. I still feel like I'm in London, even though I'm back here. And by the time I get used to it, then it'll be time for a Sunday night football game, which also throws everything off because then we'll be like recording a podcast at 3.30 in the morning in the press box and wondering what day it is then. Yeah, and for me, it took two days as well. I think Wednesday, the time today is Wednesday, we are recording this podcast for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm finally kind of feeling normal again. I did not on Monday or Tuesday uh, with the with the leg. And, you know, people said that, Matt. They said you it, it hurt it. You you impact feel you feel it more. It impacts you more when you come this way back versus when you go there. Now, we've talked about maybe that impacting the bills, of course, on the way there. And I don't know if there's any way to quantify how they played, what happened with exactly them going over there. But I will tell you that it did turn out to be true for me that on the way back, I felt it more than I did on the way there. Huh. 
on the way back. You see, I actually feel the opposite. I think that I felt it worse going than coming back because I thought I'm not somebody who can sleep on a plane. So this is why I set myself up for failure going there. You know, even though I travel a lot, I still get like, I don't want to say anxious in a bad way, but when I know I have to wake up for a flight, I never get a great night's sleep because I'm always right. thinking about waking up. So we yep. had a 6 a.m. flight out of Buffalo the day we left. I think I slept the night before maybe three hours maximum. Mm. And then, so I'm already overtired. And then I get on a plane. I don't sleep at all because I can't sleep on airplanes. And then you get to London and your body's all out of whack. So for me, it was much harder going yep. than it is coming back. All right. No, I, I, I totally get that. And I think everybody's body is different, obviously. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the the game, the way it played out and the Bills leaving on Thursday night into Friday morning. Now, we will have this same scenario this week where you'll have a team, the Baltimore Ravens, leaving mm -hmm. early. The Ravens actually left, I think, Monday to play their game this coming Sunday in London, whereas the Titans are doing what the Bills did. I think leaving mm -hmm. Thursday night into Friday morning. I know it's much later. So I do think it's interesting. We'll get kind of a little bit more of a sample on, you know, teams doing certain things. I still don't know if there's any way to quantify them playing a certain way. Although Maurice, I'm sorry, I was going to say Maurice Jones drew Jacksonville Jaguars. Although um, Travis Etienne uh, did say he felt that it was an advantage for the Jags to have been there all week after he know how he felt on Sunday, the first game they played versus the second game they played when they were there all week. Yeah, I think there's something to it, but at the same time, I don't think that's why they lost. I think right. they lost because they got outcoached and they got outplayed. Maybe they were not 100% ready right out of the jump. But the thing that I said on the last episode of the podcast and even on a couple radio hits that I've done since, I don't know, is Kair Elam a better cornerback if he gets there a day earlier and they don't right. get beat by Calvin Ridley? Is Micah Hyde right. all of a sudden faster? on an extra day's rest going up against Calvin Ridley on the sideline is the offense quicker out of the gate and makes better decisions because they were there a day early. I mean, some of maybe. the things that maybe, but I don't know that that seems far. Fa it, it seems too convenient. It seems like after every, no, I game, think the first two things don't, but I think the last one might, I mean, you had an offense that was very sluggish. You had an offense that had not had not punted much at all and then suddenly goes three and out their first four drives you have James Cook dropping the third play of the game dropping a pass right in his hands mm -hmm. like are those things that if you're in a different state of mind if you're there earlier I don't know and I don't know the answer to that I really don't yeah. and that's why I say I agree with you that there's no way to draw that direct correlation right and but I will tell you this what I do think was the I don't want it to sound like sour grapes I know how it sounds when I say this but I always I thought it was weird that the Bills have the home game. It's their home game. Yeah. And yet they're the team that has to go out second, where the Jags are the team that gets there to stay there after a week. And I think that was a bit of an advantage for the Jags to be there for that week. And what is the Bills' home game? Maybe next time you reverse it. Like if you're going to have a team out there for two weeks, have it be their second game would be their home game. Their first mm -hmm. game would be the away game. So the Jags would basically be playing the Bills the first time, the first week, and then staying out there to play, if that all makes sense. I no, guess. it absolutely makes sense. Listen, from a football standpoint, I understand why this is a big deal from a league standpoint. The teams cannot say this. I can say this. The Buffalo Bills do not want to be going to London to play a football game, especially a home game. They don't want to do that. So why should they be punished doubly <laughs> by having to go there and also having to do it as a home game? It, it doesn't make sense. It's a cool experience. I just got a trip to London, right? Like, I'm not the one complaining. It's incredible. I love that the league does this. 
I think that the fan base over there is really growing. But, you know, we took a tour of the stadium over there at Tottenham and the tour guide, incredible. I think his name was John. John was telling us he was walking around the tour and we did this big private tour. And he was talking about how if the NFL ever comes to London full time, he doesn't think the team would be fully based in London. He's like, I think they would play their home games here. And I think they would play back to back games and they would stay kind of like the Jags did this time. And then they would go back to the States and then they would play two games on the road, be headquartered in whatever city they're headquartered in, and then come back and do it again and just keep that rotation. And I was sitting there thinking, and I'm like, what player in their right mind would want to voluntarily sign up for this? I don't think if you, you were pay a, free, a lot more money, <laughs> if you were a free agent, you would have to pay that person yeah. so much money to say like, yes. Hey, yeah, you know, let's just say, for example, you're based in Jacksonville, but you play your home games at Tottenham. So you're going to be over there for a week and a half. The way John explained it, he was like, you could have a full-time NFL team here and they could actually only spend like two months of the year in London. And I'm like, I see the point that you're trying to make that it can be done and can be convenient, but it just isn't convenient. Love going to London, love exploring the world. Super fortunate that I get to do that stuff. But as I was walking through the airport yesterday after like a 16 or 17 hour day going to my connection, I'm like, man, is it so convenient when the Bills play the Jets and I just take the direct out right. of to go home or the Ravens or anything on the East Coast, really? It's like, man, that is so convenient. And this is so inconvenient. Hey, Matt, I mean, I'll tell you, you were talking about being on the charter and it is way more convenient, but even on the charter, like, we landed at 12. We didn't get out of the airport until probably 1245 because you, we still had to go through customs and do all that stuff because it is an international flight. They have to check a lot of things. It was much more of a screening process in London than we ever have here in the United States when the team is leaving to go places or arriving places. So all of that mattered. And I could absolutely understand what you're saying about that. It was, it was a, uh, it was a great trip outside of the loss. And of course the injuries, which is kind of, where we're left here as we head into Sunday night football against the Giants, looking at the Bills injury report and knowing the roster moves they've made. And the two big ones, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones. This is yeah. a week after they lose Tredavious White. I would argue, Matt, that they may have lost their three best defenders and one at each level. Maybe their best interior <laughs> defender in Daquan Jones this year, their best linebacker definitely in Matt Milano, and their best cornerback in Tredavious White. I don't know how this team overcomes it, but you have to pick up the pieces. You have to move on. You have to go forward and do your best. And they're not going to cancel the season for it. This is why you have a 53-man roster and a practice squad. This is why you develop players over the years. But it's going to be tough sledding, and now they're going to be relying upon guys like Dorian Williams and Tyrell mm -hmm. Dodson at linebacker to fill in for Matt Milano, and we'll see where it goes for less. Let's start there. Let's start with the linebacker spot, Dorian Williams. I loved what I saw for him flying around the field, but he was a little out of control. That's why they put Tyrell Dotson a little bit later. I, I think Dorian Williams can be pretty good. He's just going to need some reps. He's not going to be Matt Milano, but I do think he'd be pretty good, and he could be a guy that can make some plays. Doesn't it feel like this should be one of those things where they don't have a set guy as their normal starter? Maybe on a passing down, you have Dorian Williams because you like his speed, you like his range, but then on a running down, you have Tyrell Dodson come in, and then you know if they do something that throws you off guard, then you just have to live with it. I, I don't feel like this should be – Going into the season, we were always talking who is going to play next to Matt Milano and thinking that it was going to be one person. I think given the circumstance, I don't know if this has to be that way. Like, I think this can be, you figure it out as you go. And one other thing that I want to say, and this is a little bit more big picture, and I apologize, but you said 
you're not going to replace those guys. You're not going to replace those guys. And my thought is why even certainly you need to try lean in on the offense. If you're going to win a Super Bowl this year, it, like be, it. it has to be because of the offense. So I was actually on the Rochester radio today and they were asking me, you know, are there any trade candidates out there that you seem like would make sense for the bills? And they were talking about corners and they were talking about linebackers and defensive tackles and whatnot. And I'm like, how about the offense? Because you just lean even farther into it. You're not going out there and trading for somebody who can replace Matt Milano or who can replace Tredavious White or Daquan Jones. Unless you can call the Broncos and say like, hey, is Sertan available? And they send them to you. Like, that's not going to happen. So maybe it means you got to go all in. Which he might be, by the way. Which he might be, on the way. But, you know, like if I'm the Bills and the trade deadline's a couple weeks away, I'm getting on the phone with Denver and I'm saying, can we give you a second for Jerry Judy? And... If they say yes, then all of a sudden you have just another piece for your offense because at the end of the day, that is why they will win. That is why they have a chance to still go do something as opposed to going and trading for a marginally better linebacker and a cornerback who is maybe not seeing as much of the field on another team as they should be. Yeah, I like that point. I agree with you. I think that you know you go into this week, this past week against Jacksonville, they're second in the league in points allowed fewest points allowed 11 point whatever per game they come out they're still fifth best in the league it's 16 points allowed it's still going to be a good defense but you might have to now say okay you know what we're probably going to give up some more points we're not going to be a top three sure. four defense overall with these guys so you know what how about we just make sure that we're still scoring 30 a game yeah. on offense which they are right now and they're the second or third highest scoring team third highest scoring team in the league over 30 31 points a game and i agree with you maybe that's the pr- formula for being able to do it but they do have to try and you know, go forward without these guys. Now, on the Milano and Daquan Jones front, I thought it was interesting, Sean McDermott on Wednesday. This is good news. This is interesting. He was not going to shut the door on either of those guys possibly returning. Now, before everybody gets too excited, we know these are long-term injuries. We know they're out at least four weeks and probably beyond. I think Daquan Jones has a better chance to come back before Matt Milano. We've seen guys with torn pecs come back in a couple of months, right? Mm-hmm. So you even remember John Feliciano a couple Feliciano, years ago in training right? camp. Yeah, yeah. Torres pack. And, um, was it TJ or JJ Watt? Maybe one Watt, of each. TJ Watt did tore it. his back last year too, and I think he ended up missing seven or eight games or something like that. Right. So I know a lot of it will be because when I went back and I listened to what Sean said, Sean had yep. said that you know they have either had surgery or are having surgery. So I guess that determines if it's something that Jones could come back from because. If he has I think Jones is having surgery, but it's still if he didn't have surgery, he could probably play quicker. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that he is having surgery makes it more of the like we'll what type we'll, of situation. We'll see. But it's interesting because they were not they were not keeping the cards this close to the vest for Tredavious White, for example. Right. Next day, they said, Yeah, he he's done for the year. So that's interesting. I but I also go back to Vaughn. Because it was kind of the same stuff with Vaughn last year. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, we found out, okay, he's not coming back. And where do you Well, go this is what the, re, the reason why that happened is because they, they – So found, let's, take, let's talk about Milano for a second. Yeah. So we knew Vaughn Miller had torn some ligaments. It was originally an MCL, and then they had to wait the swelling go down. They go in and they say, guess what? We went in to look at the MCL, and the ACL is torn too. That's why that happened. And I agree with you. That can still happen. But with mm-hmm. Milano – there's been nothing yet reported about ligaments. And I no. I think this is encouraging that 
this might not be a ligament situation, whereas maybe it was feared to be, and it's not, and it could be just be the leg fracture that was reported. So yeah. if that's the case, you're still looking at a long rehab and maybe not even coming back this year. Uh-huh. But maybe you can hold out hope that they make they get into the playoffs, win a game or so, maybe he's back. It reminds me of the Micah Hyde situation last exactly. year. Exactly. First thing I thought of. Maybe there's that's what we're looking. So I think it's encouraging, and of course, long term, it's much more encouraging too for both these guys, you know, to be available even beyond this year. You know, thinking about their their overall health on the defensive line, though. Ed Oliver's been playing great. I think part of the reason he's been playing great, unbelievable, is because of Daquan Jones being next. Sure. Now you take that away, but I think you really need to still hope and lean on Ed Oliver there. But look, with that defensive line and the defensive ends the way they're playing, I still think that Ed Oliver can still make a a really, really big impact. Yeah, I was going to say, it can make a really big impact and you don't have to worry about paying him because you already signed him to a contract extension <laughs> because at this current right. rate, he would probably get more money. Yeah, now you got to see what's Puna Ford, right? Like Puna yep. Ford, we thought was going to come in and was going to be an immediate difference maker and he hasn't even been active the last couple of weeks. So can he come in and kind of fill the void? And I don't think that anybody they could find will be able to live up to the play that Jones has been playing at. He's been awesome. Same thing with Milano. But... I think I have a little bit more confidence in the defensive line just because the strength of the unit as a whole. I mean, you still have Ed Oliver, Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, AJ Epinesa, who all of a sudden now looks like he's like a really good pass rusher. So you've got all those guys. I think that will be fine. That will be serviceable. It's the linebacker that's concerning for me because even though Terrell Bernard has been good, what is Terrell Bernard an entire season? And what is he when he's not playing next to one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL? I don't know. The only way that I know that you don't have to worry about that is if you average 38 points a game. And that's what I think the Bills need to do. Well, there's another significant injury that happened a couple weeks ago. And now we saw them trying to replace and trying to get by with Kyer Elam. We need to talk about that as well. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, it's always game day in Buffalo. It didn't go well for Kyrie Lum. No. Um, now, look, it's a tough ask to go out there and cover Calvin Ridley a lot on your first mm-hmm. you know, action of the year when you've been inactive. I get it. But I think maybe we all saw, Matt, why he hasn't been playing. I think we all saw what the coaches have been seeing at practice. And maybe that's a little bit unfair because of that situation he's in. But even Sean McDermott kind of alluded after the game to, hey, look, happens all the time. Guys have to step up and they have to be ready and they have to play and they have to perform. And this guy was taken out of the game, the final two series for yeah, undrafted second-year free agent Jamarcus Ingram out of UB, yeah. University of Buffalo. So I think that's very telling for Kyrie Elam, and I don't know where they go from here with him. I would say I don't think they're going to pull the shoot. They're not going to give him away. No, no. They're still going to work with him. I mean, 
I think I still think they can. They believe he can still be a good player for them. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. they signed Josh Norman to be you know the mentor to help out. But I don't know where you go from here. And even Sean acknowledged on Wednesday, Jamarcus Ingram might be starting this week if Dane yeah. Jackson can't go with his foot injury, not Kyrie Long. Yeah, I think if there was a couple week stretch that you had to get by, this would probably be the one where you would say, okay, like it, it's a weird balance because Kyrie Elam needs more reps. So do you keep him on the field in games where you feel like you should be able to get by either way, or do you make the switch because you can't afford to be like learning on the go and learning as you go with somebody like this? The question I have for you, because you know a lot about football strategy and about a lot of the concepts and everything that they're doing. Kyrie Elam is at his best when he can play press and he can line up right on top of somebody. Why is he playing so much off ball when that's not what he's good at? Like, you know, there's things that we are good at in our job and we're not good at. Why are they having him eight yards away from Kelvin Ridley when when he's good, he can get his hands on somebody and try and beat him at the line of scrimmage? Because the simple answer is he's one of 11 on defense and it's a system. Yeah, You can't have him really playing man-to-man and everybody else playing zone. Now, you can yeah. in certain situations and doing things. Well, that's really kind of what I'm, system to work kind of what I'm alluding to. Work, to. But if you really want the system to work the way it's supposed to work, you can't really have that happen. You got to kind of have everybody playing the same thing. And yeah, you can do those things here and there once in a while, but you're basically then taking him and just completely leaving him on his own to do his own thing when everybody else plays something else and he has to be a part of a system. Yeah. So that that's, that's the simple answer. And yes, I mean, you could try to once in a while do stuff like that, but you'd really be hurting the rest of the system by doing that. Yeah, it's tough. Then if you're hurting the rest of the system that much, because my thought is, okay, like how do you do some sort of hybrid where, you know, maybe that side maybe of the field they is playing zone. And maybe that side's playing zone and this side's playing man, whatever, whatever it is. That's that's too complicated for my liking. But if he can't then do that, then he should not be on the field because right. it was bla- the last time I remember a guy getting targeted like that was in Detroit last year when they were going at Dane Jackson. And I just sat there and I'm like, man, I I don't know if this is the answer. And, you know, obviously you had Trey coming back and got a little bit healthier and you had a little bit more of a rotation. So that kind of eventually vanished. But on every big play, like there were like three or four of them. I knew it was going to Kelvin Ridley. And on almost all of them, those were on Kyrie Elam. And then I saw on social media right after the game, a lot of former players talking like, how can you have a safety on Kelvin Ridley one-on-one in that situation? That says more about their lack of faith in their corners than it does about Micah Hyde. Well, let me just go back. To, in On that particular play, I give the Jaguars credit. The Jaguars used a formation that where the Bills had kind of no choice. Mm. And they, they, they had to use Micah Hyde because the Bills went, was called cover zero. They had no safety up high. They had everybody kind of man-to-man across the board. And the way they aligned their formation, they got Ridley matched up on Hyde. And I think Hyde understood, okay, I got a matchup here. And he didn't have horrible coverage. No, it wasn't. It was a great throw. And it, it was, was a you great know, throw. A, great throw. Yeah, so I, I don't think the Bills chose to match up Micah Hyde on Calvin Ridley on that play. I think the Jags had a good formation where that wound up being the, you know, the play and what happened there. But look, going forward, um, I, I think Kyrie Lim can still be salvaged. I do. I know it sounds weird, but maybe that's like what you said. Maybe they have to figure out a way to make it work with him. In the meantime, 
you know, next year, next summer, maybe there's some move that they can make. Right now, they can't afford to move on from him, I don't think. And his oh. value is so low, Matt. What are you going to get from him? You'd be giving him away in his second year after making him a first-round pick a year ago. So I think the signing of Josh Norman, to me, I don't think they're signing Josh Norman to play. They're signing Josh Norman, to me, the analogy I'll use, is like when they signed Derek Anderson to be a quarterback in the room with Josh Allen his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You hope he doesn't have to play, but eventually maybe he has to play. But it's really to kind of help that guy along because you have no other experience in that room for him to lean on a little bit. Let me ask you this. Do you think that there's some sort of rotation when they are all healthy again? Or do you think that this is just strictly Dane Jackson replaces Trey White and it's Benford and Dane Jackson for 80% of the snaps? And then maybe there's some sort of Elam, Ingram, whatever they end up working out. No, I think it's Jackson and Benford when they're healthy. I think those guys are the guys. And then maybe Ingram becomes number three ahead of Kyer Elam, actually. Now, that said, Dane Jackson is on the injury report with a foot injury. Yeah, he <laughs> didn't practice on Wednesday. In the walkthrough on Wednesday. In the walkthrough, so yeah. It's going to be Benford, who was a full participant after missing last week, and Ingram and mm-hmm. Elam. We'll see. Maybe it's Jackson. You hope that's the case against the New York Giants on Sunday night. It's not a great situation. But as you pointed out, the next three opponents. Now, look, the Bucks three games from now. Yeah, good. You good. have Mike Evans and Godwin. They have receivers. You know, I mean, they're For not sure. the world-beating offense with, you know, Baker Mayfield. But those are good guys. But the next two weeks, you got the Giants and you got the New England Patriots. And I think that if, if there's games you can get by maybe a lot better and a lot, you know, more sufficient, efficient, it would be these two opponents. Well, I mean, the Patriots have scored, what, like three points in their last couple games. You yeah. you should absolutely be able to beat them. This is a stretch for the Bills. This is something I talked about on the last episode briefly that they have to take advantage of. They yes. absolutely have to. And you would feel so much better about it, obviously, if they had beaten the Jags and you were four and one. But you look at their next get their stretch. It's Giants, Patriots, Bucks, Bengals, Broncos, Jets. OK, that's one, two, three, four, five, six games. I think you have to win five. I think that needs to be anything less than that would be a disappointment. Now, if you go four and two and you find yourself at seven and four, you know, you still probably feel good about your outlook, but you've got some really tough games down the stretch. I think if you're eight and three going into that tough stretch, you say, okay, we'll win two games minimum. Like we'll win two games. We'll be a playoff team. You know, we'll, who knows, maybe we get hot and we can still try and be fighting for the one seed, but yeah, I, I think the matchups that will be particularly tough in that six-game stretch are the ones where you've got good wide receivers. So it's the Bucks and the Bengals. And they might just be the best teams in that group anyway. They also just happen to have opponent, or I guess pieces that might be difficult matchup problems for the Bills. So we shall see. I don't know. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with any of those teams, especially Joe Burrow. I mean, if Joe Burrow is back to fully healthy, like, that's probably the game you lose or if he's what he's been well not really last week they were pretty good last week but before that and you can get to him and he can't scramble and he can't be mobile then maybe your corners don't matter because your defensive line has been so dominant and in those games the three games you're talking about that will be all before the trade deadline the trade deadline is halloween They'll play Thursday night against the Bucs and give themselves – I actually think it works out well for the Bills on the schedule front there because they'll play, and Brandon Bean will be able to evaluate after that without – you know, most teams will get like a 24 hours to kind of make pull the trigger on a trade if they want after that week. He'll have a few days extra and say, what do we need? They'll evaluate it. Maybe they'll make a deal that weekend if it really does come to it. So mm-hmm. obviously a lot to be decided on 
you know, with the Bills and the roster and going forward here. In the meantime, a couple other real quick items on the roster before we move on. AJ Klein has been uh, signed to the 53-man roster, and we forget about Bale Inspector. I'm not telling you that you know he's all pro like Matt Milano, mm-hmm. but I thought he did some nice things in the preseason. Now his 21-day window has been activated, so some reinforcements in a way. Going back to your point about maybe this is a spot where they do some rotation, Matt. I mean, that's maybe what we'll see from the linebacker spot, given the the guys that are becoming available now. Yeah, I think that. It's funny you said about Bale Inspector because admittedly when they set out the push alert this morning, the team, I completely forgot. forgot about Bale Inspector. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, Bale Inspector. And have not so, sorry, real quick tangent. Have we heard anything about Justin Shorter? I did ask uh, Sean McDermott last week about Justin Shorter. He just said there was no update. Okay, so so hey, you know what it's you know what it reads like to me? They're just gonna keep Justin Shorter on IR unless there's an injury. Oh yeah, year. like he gets a red shirt year, basically. Yeah. So they've got they've got some things they need to figure out. And I think defensively, it's going to be a work in progress. I think that they are schemed up better than they have been in a long time because of Sean McDermott. And if there's anybody who's going to be able to figure out a way to take some of the pressure off of those pieces that you're a little bit more nervous about. Sean will have something dialed up and we'll put them in positions to, I don't want to say definitely succeed, but maybe positions that protect them a little bit. So that's what I think. And it's, it's got to start with the defensive line. It's got to start this week with the defensive line, a matchup that they have to take advantage of bills, Giants Sunday night football, eight twenty PM. Look, this is a giants team that is so banged up on the offensive line. They are Daniel Jones is unfortunately getting so punished. That's how he got hurt last week with his mm-hmm. neck injury. He's even day to day. We might not even see him in Buffalo. It could be Tyrod Taylor for all we know. In the meantime, the bills lead the league in sacks, lead the league in sacks per pass attempt. I don't care who your corners are. It could be me and you. The key to this game, just take advantage of that, Matt. Get yeah. whoever the quarterback is on the ground. He can't throw the ball against those corners. You know, I have very fluid hips, so I think I would be a good corner. I think I could really hold my own out there. I, I think Darren Waller might be a matchup issue for me if I was ever lined up on him. Who's also hurt, by the way, with a groin injury. Who's also hurt. They're just so beat up. When I saw yeah. the line come out for the game, I, I like... I couldn't believe it. I had to like refresh the page to see if that was right, especially following a loss. The Bills are massive favorites in this game. They are favored by more than two touchdowns going into this game. Yep. And that is regardless of who's a quarterback, whether it's Daniel Jones or whether it's Tyrod Taylor. I think if you're the Giants, you should be smart with Daniel Jones. Like, I, I don't know if if there's even a, a chance that he could re-aggravate it or hurt it. Then I think you play Tyrod. The thing that's interesting to me is what is Saquon Barkley? Is this the week that Saquon Barkley comes back? Because we thought mm-hmm. it was going to be last week, and then apparently he had a bad practice on Friday, and then they held him out for another week. Saquon Barkley's a really good player. So Saquon Barkley could keep his team in the game because he is that good, or he conceivably can be that good. So I, I don't know. I, I think that this is a I don't I don't want to say tough. Like they just lost a game and their offense scored seven points until there were four minutes left in the game. I don't overlook anybody after watching the Bills lose to the Jags a couple of years ago in that debacle of a game. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like when you think about it, when you think about the injuries the Giants are having, when you think about the fact that the Bills are coming off of a loss and it's at home, I think this lines up for a game where the Bills could, you know, remind everybody that they're still a really good team. The only downside of this game is they're wearing those stupid red jerseys. <laughs> What? what? Stupid. You, you don't like them that much? You hate them? No, no, I don't like them. I think they are the worst. All red, all red, by the way. I think they, I think they would be significant. Would you like them better if they were white pants? 
Yes, exactly. As you, you're, so you're, not, you're, not, you're not opposed to the jersey. You're opposed to the all red. I'm just, yeah, the, uh, the all red combination. Not necessarily the jersey. I think the red jersey with the white pants looks good. I think the red jersey with the blue pants would look good. I just think the whole, I really like all blue and all white. But all red, for some reason, is just a little bit too much for me. Yeah, they can't do that, unfortunately. But I know, um, you know, because of the way the rules are for the the alternate uniforms and all those kinds. The color rush uniform has to—it's a color rush uniform. It has to all be yeah. worn together. But they are wearing that. It is going to be cool, though. Highmark Stadium. If you're going to the game, folks, you're going to get one of these electric um, wristbands that are going to light up in sync with the music. And they did that Monday night in New York, if you remember, against the uh -huh. Jets to the, the song Thunderstruck. It was super cool. Oh, was I don't so know how cool. the Bills are going to do it, but the Bills are going to do something like that at Highmark. Let me go back to the Giants' injuries. 14 players on their injury report. Let Crazy. me tell you the players who did not practice. It includes two starting offensive linemen, their left tackle, Andrew Thomas, and their center, John Michael Schmitz. And then, of course, and then Daniel Jones didn't practice, their quarterback. Darren Waller didn't practice. They have uh, a couple linebackers didn't practice and then limited – Two more offensive linemen, Shane Lemieux, Marcus McKeithen, and then Saquon Barkley, uh, Deontay Banks, a young corner. So, I mean, look, they are really banged up. Bills are banged up as well, but this is a game you have to absolutely take advantage of against the New York Giants. And, Matt, I, I just think that you got to dominate up front. you got to have that defensive line control it. And the only path to victory, as you just pointed out, for the Giants is maybe if Saquon is healthy, you give them the ball 50 times, you keep the Bills' offense off the field. But even that said – it's been a tough go for the Giants here and um, the, with Brian Dable and, you know, uh, his offense and whatever you want to say, their injuries. One thing I will tell you, one thing I'll say, I do wonder if Tyrod plays, if that's actually better for the Giants against yep. the Bills because he is mobile. Mm -hmm. And look, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was able to get out free a few times because he was mobile against that mm -hmm. pass rush. Well, I thought about Zach Wilson. I thought about Zach Wilson and certainly him yeah. not being a tougher matchup than Aaron Rodgers, but the Bills had their plans for Rodgers, and then all of a sudden Zach Wilson was able to extend a couple plays and kind of punished the Bills that way. <clears throat> it's an interesting point you have. The thing I've thought about a lot the last couple days in this week is Brian Dable might know Josh Allen better than anybody on the planet and how he plays mm -hmm. and what he's good at and what he's not good at. If you're the Bills, do you just keep on doing what you're doing because you got to trust that your guys, or do you have to think about what Dable knows and try to, I guess, adjust well, accordingly? Let let me play it out this way. Even if he knows him better, he still has to stop him. Yeah, he can call plays. Mm -hmm. Doesn't guarantee anything. Josh Allen's still gonna be the quarterback. Yeah, you're going against, and he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny today right? when I, yeah, no, you're right. I thought it was funny today when Josh was asked about, you know, Dable and the re relationship they had. And he said, yes, you know, he's maybe been the most influential person in my entire career, but he also said that they still FaceTime all the time. And usually the FaceTimes are just like, Hey, how are you? Miss you. Bye. And that's it. And then they go along with their day. So I think that Josh has a soft spot for Dave's not this week, certainly, but there is a lot of overlap between these two organizations and, you know, it might not just be Tyrod. It might also be Cole Beasley. Maybe we see him on the field on Sunday, you know, Joe Shane up in the press box and Dable and uh, let's see Isaiah Hodgins and who else is there is Felici. No, Feliciano's not there anymore. I don't even know. There's, no. there's it's like the bills and the Panthers used yeah, to be. It's... Now it's the bills and the giants. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was going to tweet something out a few weeks ago, and I didn't. 
and I would do it now, but it, now it's kind of old. People are saying it anyway. I was going to tweet out, tired. Josh Allen really misses Brian Dable. Wired. Brian Dable really misses Josh Allen. Oh, I mean, God. that's really so what it comes much down so, to, right? So much. Yeah. Oh, my. You think it, it's funny because I remember watching the Brian Dable opening press conference when he gets hired by the Giants. And a yep. lot of the reporter questions were centered around can Daniel Jones. It, it was right. never realistic of like becoming Josh Allen, but like maybe Brian can unleash. Daniel Jones in the way that he was able to unleash Josh Allen. And last year, that went fairly well. Like Daniel Jones did enough to earn a new contract, a big contract. But uh, I don't know. I, I wonder how much they regret that deal. Week number six coming up in the NFL starts with Broncos Chiefs on Thursday night. I mean, can't imagine the Broncos are going to beat the Chiefs the way the, both teams have looked. And I don't think they've beaten them in years and years. It's literally been like eight years. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't really think that there's that much to that game. I think I think the the Chiefs might score fifty. Okay, interesting. I is it because of the Chiefs offense or the Broncos defense or both? Both, but I think the Chiefs are due for an explosion and I think the Broncos are that bad. I don't think the Chiefs offense is that great. No, I, I don't I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that they are maybe as vulnerable offensively as they have been in a long time, mm -hmm. because after Travis Kelsey, they don't have a lot of other weapons that I think truly scare you, but you still have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And that's enough for me. I do think the Miami Dolphins could score 60 points this week. And I'm not kidding. They're yeah. playing the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Now, even yeah. without Devon A. Chan, I mean, even without him, I think they can, they, 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 they the way they score points playing an own five Panthers team, you could be the Panthers have given up. Let's see what have they given up 24, 20, 37, 21, and 42 to the Lions. There could be a 50 burger this week, by the way. What have you oh. made of the whole Frank Reich, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young stuff? You see that video circulating? I didn't see it. I heard about it. Basically, from my understanding, you could tell me he's kind of distancing himself from the decision and putting it on it management and ownership that they chose Bryce Young over CJ Sprout. Frank Reich is too nice of a guy to do that, but he's kind of, you can read between the lines of him yeah. saying like, Oh yeah, I love that. Our owner cares about this because that means he's involved. And when he's involved, you know, they're in it for the right reasons, which was yeah. basically to me, like, yeah, I wanted CJ Stroud and you saw me in that video talking to him. Like I was going to draft him. But then I wasn't allowed to because my boss said no. So that's the way it kind of read to me. Interesting. Just looking over the schedule, I mean, there aren't a lot of really impactful pretty, games as far as the Bills are concerned. Pretty ho-hum week yeah, of football. I mean, Seahawks-Bengals is interesting because the Bengals are trying to get off the mat, and if they do, they'll be 3-3. Three and three, They're yeah. back in it. But, you know, not facing a terrible Seahawks team was 3-1, and one, obviously. So no. you never know what's going to happen in that situation. Speaking of C.J. Stroud, they're home to the New Orleans Saints. Saints, basically, they blank the Patriots. Patriots-Raiders, the McDaniel-Belichick Bowl, right? McDaniels-Belichick Bowl coming yeah. up this week between – uh, those two teams. And then Cowboys Chargers on Monday night's an interesting one because of who the Cowboys are and uh, the Chargers are who they seem to be every single year. And when, one of these teams is going to have to say, yeah, we're actually still here and not pretenders. Yeah, I think that that's for the Bills. I mean, obviously you want your AFC opponents to lose every week. 
I think for the Bills, after watching the Cowboys get just destroyed, and then I looked at the schedule this week, I was like, hey, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the Chargers coming off of this game from the Cowboys. Like, that would be scary right. to me. So I, I do think the Cowboys will get that game because I think the Cowboys are still a pretty good team. I think the Cowboys have upside. They have potential. I still like their defense. I, I just think Dak Prescott had a bad day, and the defense had a bad day. By the way, for the Buffalo Bills, next several games, just want everybody to know this. Sunday night. Sunday afternoon, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and then a bunch of 425 p.m. starts on Sunday. You got one more Sunday afternoon game. It's in two weeks, and then you're basically done for the year for the build until the very, very end. And uh, it's uh, remember, we talked with Mike North about this. We knew this was kind of coming, but, man, mm-hmm. it hits you in the face. Life as being a good, if not elite team in the NFL life is covering those teams in the NFL. I looked at my family on Sunday or whatever it was after the game. I went back to the hotel. They were all back there eating dinner. And after a work day, you know, especially a long day and after they lose, I'm just like, how is it week five? I was like, my body feels like it's week 30 and it's week five. And we're still, you know, just a a third of the way through this thing. But yeah, I mean, this is a good stretch for the Bills. They have to respond. I think they will. I think they could go on a little bit of a run here. And then if you're sitting there in a month and a half and you're eight and three, then you're talking about seeds. You're talking about matchups in the playoffs. And I think that you got to win, even though it's not a super tough opponent. You can't overlook anybody and you just got to make sure that you get out of these games with a win. Um, did you guys do the the um, the eye, the London eye, the Ferris wheel? I did do the London eye. I did do the London eye. Yes, we. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that a lot. Um, what else did I do? The only thing that my favorite, far and away, my favorite thing that I did was I went to a Premier League soccer game, and that was oh, okay, incredible. It was Fulham for Sheffield. It was the oldest stadium in the premier league. I believe it's right in London, which is cool. It's right on the river. It was an awesome, awesome, awesome atmosphere and a super cool experience. Yeah. I, ne- I did not do that. I'm not big into soccer. I would, I would go. It was it's just a like, cool you know, I'm thing. Not, I'm not, I'm not big into NASCAR. I went to the um, Pepsi 400 the one year and it was amazing just to be yeah. there and to experience that and the power of the cars. I think I would love that atmosphere as well. Speaking of well, atmospheres you- and doing things, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, to your point, I, I'm not a huge soccer guy either. So the the guys who are sitting in front of us, super cool dudes right from London, huge Fulham fans, obviously. And I was yeah. like, who's the best player on the team? And they told me, and it's not anybody that I've ever heard of. And they were like, certainly, you know, these two people, they're American. And I was like, certainly I don't. And I would have never <laughs> known that they're American. But thanks for letting me it. know. I was like, are they good? And they were like, I mean, good enough to play for, you know, the country. And I was yep. like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of atmospheres. It's going to be a great one Thursday night down at Key Bank Center for the Buffalo Sabres. Hell yeah. So nice I won't be watching Thursday night football because I'll be watching. I'll be there. I'll be there with my son and my wife. We love going to Sabres games, and I know uh, you'll be there. I'm assuming you'll be there and up in the I press will. box. Maybe I'll come up. With, I, I'll have my press pass with me. Maybe I'll come up and join you for a little while to say yeah. hi. But in the meantime, um, we'll we'll be watching it. It's going to be fun. And the Sabres are now not only you know exciting on the ice and have a lot of expectations but man, they have made some moves. They signed Rasmus Dahlin. They signed Owen Power just before we went on the air here to mm-hmm. record this. They announced that. 
Yeah. They got all their young core locked up. I love what they're doing, Matt. Build the foundation from the middle and from the back end. That's what good teams in the NHL do. And the Sabres now have Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin, and Owen Power all locked up for the next seven years. And you can throw in Matias Samuelson, too. So you've got three very good, I mean, two elite and one good defenseman locked up for a long time in two centers who... I think are just scratching the surface of what they can ultimately be in the league. So yeah, I think the Sabres are trending in a, a fantastic direction. I think that this is a big year for them. This has to, they, they have to make the playoffs and they can't oh, yeah. look at, they can't look at it big picture. They have to do, they truly do have to just take it like step-by-step. Step. This team has to make the playoffs because if they don't, I, I don't know what else they can do to ultimately get there. I mean, it's a, a lot. If De, if Devin Levi is good, they're a playoff team. If Devin Levi is okay, they might still be a playoff team. If he's not good and it's similar goaltending to what they got last year, then they're probably hoping at the end of the season they're still hanging around. The Sabres come into the season as the youngest team in the NHL, average age 25 and a half, mm-hmm. and you have – Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, and Matias Samuelson all signed at least through the year 2030, which is amazing. And then beyond that, you got other guys that are on their entry-level deals that are really good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun team. Let me ask. Last, let me, yeah. let, last question. This is a Bills uh-huh. podcast. I think a lot yeah. of the people, though, we've got a lot of crossover between Bills fans and Sabres fans. If you had to pick right now which team wins a championship first, the Bills or the Sabres? I'm still going Buffalo Bills. They've Josh Allen there in the Super Bowl window. I mean, as much as I think the Sabres' future is bright, it, they could wind up being contenders for the Cup for five, six years straight. But I mean, I've, I very much they haven't even made the playoffs yet. I very much agree with you. I very, very much agree with you. I think though they're not trending in opposite directions. That's not fair to the Bills because they've been very good. But I feel like maybe the Bills have kind of reached their not plateau, but like. I don't know how much longer they can continue to ascend because they've been doing it for so long now. I think the Sabres are about to begin an ascent that is similar to what the Bills did several years ago, if that makes any sense. Like, I think we're like, this Sabres team is like 2019 Bills, and then you can kind of climb for a little bit. All right, one final question from me, Matt. Uh, yeah. Alex Tuck was, he actually put it on social media to for fans to help him pick a goal song. Yep. What would Matt Bove's goal song be? It's oh, a great question. I've thought about it. It has to be Mr. Brightside, right? Mr. Brightside is absolutely one of the ones that I was considering. It, okay. it has to be something that people are able to sing. So I think Mr. Uh-huh. Brightside is a good one for that. Um, you know, I love me some Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Um, but yeah, I, I think Mr. Brightside's is a, a very, very strong possibility. So. I don't think I'm making the Sabres, but if they need me, that would be my goal song. I have no idea what mine would be. I don't know. I'd probably change it up every once in a while or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's like some, I don't know. Maybe just go with some Iron Maiden or something. Some really hardcore. We we were talking about this at work today. Do you like the individual goal songs or do you wish that it was I do. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I I go both ways. Like, I think there's something to be said. If you have a good one, you have to, like Chelsea Dagger in Chicago. That's an awesome goal song. They should never yeah. get rid of that. But Everybody, like, and the shout song for the Bills, right? It's the same thing. They score, and it doesn't matter who scores a touchdown. You play the shout song. Listen, though, 
I would say, I think it's super cool. You can identify the players like that. For example, we will be at a wedding or just walking somewhere and you hear, oh, I want to dance with somebody. And I look at Max and I go, Max, Jeff, Skin Jeff Skinner just scored. I could be walking at the Erie County Fair. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. If I hear the song, I go, Max, Jeff Skinner just scored. Like, it just, you associate it. It's super cool. Yeah, I used to say that about let me clear my throat. And I would say it in like a mean way. But I would hear let me clear my throat. And I would be like, oh, Jack Eichel from Sam Reinhardt. Senators lead the Sabres five to three. And, and it was just kind of like the joke of like, oh, once I, I could, that song sucked. It, the song doesn't suck. The goal song was just not good. And after a couple years of doing it, they should have pulled the plug way quicker. So now we don't have to worry about that. Individual goal songs. I loved Fishing in the Dark from Tage last year. So I wonder if that sticks around this year. Love that song. Well, we have one intro song here, and our guy, Mike Rabier, does it for us because he's our producer. We thank him very much for producing It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Check us out, audio, of course, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, WGR Sports Radio 550, and on video as well, Sal Sports is the YouTube channel. Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 in Buffalo. What do you guys got going on uh, this week? I'm sure you got a lot of uh, previews and articles and everything going on with practice coming up for the Sunday night game. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously the home opener mixed in. So this is a little bit of a yeah. guilty guilty pleasure for me. I, I love hockey. I grew up loving love hockey. It. So tomorrow on Thursday, I'll, I'll be at the arena and doing live shots and stuff all day. Yep. And then Friday and Saturday, the plan is to do a lot of sleeping. The plan is to find a couch and <laughs> sleep as much as possible, try and right. kind of recharge the batteries. And then we've got a long haul in for Sunday, which is fun. I mean, you know, it's crazy. They've got a primetime game and it's just another game now. I mean, a couple of years ago, this would have been, oh my gosh, the Bills are hosting Sunday Night Football. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I wish it was Sunday at one o'clock. Be safe. Enjoy Sunday Night Football. And we'll talk to you after that here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.